Worship in the World, a screen-free worship experience is brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us virtually today. And now let us come to a time of confession. 
Let us bring our whole authentic selves to God together. God, we mess up. We choose to put ourselves at the center of the universe, and we actively ignore the world around us for our own gain. We hold on to hatred, to resentment, and to fear, rather than leaning into your love revealed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Forgive us for hurting one another, for hurting this planet, and for hurting ourselves. God, meet us in the darkness and remove the shame from our sin. And now, God, let us confess silently. Glory be to the Father, glory be to the Son, glory be to the Spirit, three in one, as it was in the beginning, and Friends, God's forgiveness is one we do not deserve, but it is given to us, to all of us. We are saved by grace and the love of Jesus Christ, our Savior. It is good news indeed that God has made us clean to go and to serve one another as God would call us to do. Amen. And now for Holy Interruption. I sit in the first seat of the second row at the 9 a.m. service most Sunday mornings. I just want you all to know how much I miss seeing your faces, miss worshiping with you, miss interacting during Holy Interruption, and I hope that we will be able to worship together again in person soon. Be blessed and be safe. Scripture reading comes from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Title of today's sermon is A Welcome Mat. Imagine that you are living in the year 70 CE in Galilee. There's a war. Some radical Jews have revolted in Rome, and the news from the city is not good. You've just heard that the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed, and families in your neighborhood are divided by ethnicity. You fear your neighbor, and you don't know who to believe, the authorities or those crying out in the streets. Your reality is filled with uncertainty and stress. You could use some good news. Imagine that you pick up this book, hot off the press, written in a rushed fashion by a man named Mark. And your eyes take in the first verse, which reads, The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ the Son of God. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You survey this book in your hands. You turn it over. It's very light. It shouldn't take too long to read, so you find a spot in the shade and you sit down to begin reading. You're familiar with that saying, Hear the good news of Emperor Caesar, the Son of God. You've heard it shouted from the streets whenever the emperor does something good for the people, like conquering a neighboring nation or opening a new source of revenue. You recognize the rhetoric, the way it pulls you in to hear what the king has done, the way it brings about communal praise of a leader. But what catches your attention is who is named Son of God. It's not Roman royalty. It's a man who was executed 70 years ago named Jesus. What good news could come from him? It's been almost 2,000 years since Mark wrote the gospel in 70 CE, and still today we pick up this book And we ask the same question, what good news can come from him? It's a question that requires reflection in every time and every place, especially when times are uncertain, especially when we need a savior, especially, well, now. For the next eight weeks, we are going to be reading through the gospel according to Mark. Lucas and I will preach some of the stories on Sundays, and we want you to read the entire gospel alongside us. And don't worry too much about the homework. We did you a solid, okay? We chose Mark's gospel, which is the shortest. At only 16 chapters long, it is not hard to read. And unlike the other gospel writers, Mark gets to the point quickly. He writes with urgency and efficiency. He's less concerned with the narrative Jesus teaches and more concerned with what Jesus does. Jesus heals. Jesus calls. Jesus dies. Jesus saves. Mark focuses on the actions of Jesus and 
as we explore what these actions mean for us, Lucas and I wanted to start at the beginning. We want to start at the beginning and follow the arc of the story Mark sets forth for us. It's a map that is set before us so we all can enter in on the same page. And as we start reading together, we can begin asking ourselves, how, how is this story of Jesus good news for us? (laughs) You may be thinking, what is there to talk about? Jesus himself is good news. His death and resurrection are good news. And you are right. That is true. Yet, as it is with words, meaning evolves over time. And you and I, we must consider in each season of our life, what makes this news good? The other day, over dinner in my household, we were sharing what had happened during our day. And I asked my husband, Tim, what he wanted to hear first, the good news or the bad. In that moment, I and making a judgment call on what is good. I'm deciding for him what he will consider good news, and I'm, I'm making this educated guess based off of information I know about him. I'm making this classification so he can ready himself for what he is about to hear. It's like I'm creating a welcome mat for him to enter the story he is about to hear. The good news I had to share with him was about a relationship, a couple moving closer, choosing to move closer rather than farther apart. And we labeled this good news because we value relationships. Generally, in society, we value healthy relationships as good. The bad news had to do with someone's medical condition, a scary turn for the worse, a reason to pray. It got me thinking. Is good news measured in health? Is good news measured in health? Is good news measured in relationships? Is good news measured by stability or is it measured by change? Perhaps most important, is good news centered around us? Around what makes us happy and comfortable or Is the good news something else altogether? I expect good news to be hopeful. I expect when someone tells me that they're sharing good news, I expect for it to provide comfort. I expect good news to mean that at the end of the day, everything is going to be okay. And yet, the good news of Jesus, according to Mark, wasn't that everything would be okay. Jesus was executed on a cross. He died. And in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus' resurrection isn't celebrated. It happens, but those who gather at his empty tomb, they just wonder at the mystery of it all. I don't think it's okay that our Savior hung on a cross I don't think it's okay that he died at the age of 33. I don't think it's okay that 70 years after his death, people are still in turmoil, at war with one another, unsure of how to care for God's people. I don't think it's okay that some 2,000 years later, the kingdom is still not here, not fully. Look around. People are hungry. 
People are in pain, surviving divorce, not surviving cancer. It seems that the good news is not about comfort at all. The good news is about Jesus. The good news is somehow summed up in the grief the disciples experience after his death and the purpose his death provides them and us. Good news. The good news of Jesus can feel cyclical. As cyclical as our relationship with sin and forgiveness Good news is the honest acknowledgement of all that is wrong in the world and the undeniable hope that all will be forgiven, that all is forgiven. And the good news doesn't make us feel better about our current reality always. It doesn't rescue us from depression at the current state of affairs. The good news doesn't give us all we want No, the good news is what makes us whole. Somehow, some way, in the mystery of Jesus' death and resurrection, we are made whole, which is perhaps preferable than being okay. The mystery of those words, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the mystery is intentional. It's personal to your your being as it is to mine. We experience the good news of Jesus in the details of our daily lives. We experience the good news of Jesus when we consider what he means for us. And that good news of Jesus, it won't feel good all the time. It won't be easy to understand. There are no cheap answers in our faith. Mark wrote down this story through the lens of those living in Galilee in the year 70 CE. In wartime, in uncertainty and fear, he writes down Jesus' story and he labels it as good news. From the beginning, he tells us it is good news. He makes that judgment call for us so that we can be prepared to experience it. He writes it down and then the invitation is for us to read, to interpret the events of Jesus' life through the gift of the Holy Spirit to make meaning of what is good in Jesus' death and resurrection. Mark's different from the other Gospels. He doesn't begin the good news of the Gospel with Jesus' birth story as Matthew and Luke do, nor does he begin with creation like John does. Mark begins with the proclamation of what happens at the end. Jesus is Christ because he died. Jesus is Christ because his death changed the way we view death forever. Jesus is Christ, and this is not the end of the story, the beginning. Jesus is Christ because he will rule our world. It is Jesus that we are to follow as our leader, and the end game isn't about empire, and it isn't about health, and it isn't about maintaining whatever we have acquired, whatever we deem good. Good news is about our relationship with God, which Jesus restores once and for all. Every good story starts at the beginning. We require the narrator to state the date, the time, the location, so that we all know where to meet to start the story. 
the beginning. It provides a welcome mat, a landing place. And we aren't meant to understand everything at the beginning. You can let that go. Today is our beginning to read the good news for us, to ask ourselves every day how Jesus is good news for us. And as you read and as you reflect on that question, it may be everything that you have thought and believed up to this point. It may be completely different. It will be what you need. What Mark promises is that anytime, anytime we begin reading the good news and interpreting Jesus in light of the events happening in our lives, the good news takes on flesh and dwells within us. And that is certainly good news. Amen. Transforming the pain into entrance into your heart. Before we could come and you had to destroy within the dark that kept us apart. Before we had heard of you but had no concern for you, darkness was all around. So high, no way to get by. But then you tore it all down. the threshold and death lost his control as the sun rose in eyes we felt the warm embrace of your sovereign grace now every day we can start to live in love with you follow and worship you with songs that flow from
Today for our prayers for all people, we are going to be reciting the Lord's Prayer. As Jesus taught his disciples to pray, let us also pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Having heard the scriptures read and the words proclaimed by dawn, let us now come together and state what we believe, saying the Apostles' Creed. I know it's Definitely we are not saying this together in a physical space as we might be used to. Um, Creeds, uh, for one, used to intimidate me, as there were times and days when I necessarily didn't believe every word that was in the Apostles' Creed, times when my faith was shaken, when doubt was what controlled me. And if that's where you are today, know that that is okay. The beautiful thing about creeds is that we say them together, that in a room where people are saying them, that in the space today where people are repeating these creeds, someone believes every part. We don't all have to carry it on our shoulders. We are the church. We believe creeds together. We worship Christ in community, and that is a glorious thing. I believe in God, the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now for the benediction. Jesus Christ is good news. As you go from this time of worship, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God. And the interruption of that Holy Spirit, may it be with you. 
and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Go in peace. Amen. A special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition and vocals brought to you by Kelly and Brody Porterfield. Audio mastery by Drew Parker. Entrance by Liz Weiss. Gloria Petri by City Hymns. And In the Fields of the Lord by Porter's Gate, Audrey Assad, and Paul Zach. Scripture quoted from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Theological musings and prayer brought to you by Lucas Jones and Don Hyde. <laughs>